God does extraordinary things through ordinary people. So each week we sit down with a soda to hear a story from a different person from our church family. Welcome to the Sodas and Stories podcast, where we dive deep into the hurts, the healings, the tragedies, and the triumphs of all the different members of our church family. Each week we hear about someone different story and what God has done through their lives. Feel free to share and subscribe to what we're doing here. Thank you so much for being a part of this and welcome to the journey. All right, welcome back to Sodas and Stories. And this week we have a very special guest, someone I've been looking forward to having to on the podcast for quite some time. One of our shepherds, it is Sid Dowell. Sid is here with us this morning who is sharing a soda and talking about some of his stories. Sid, how you doing? I'm doing great. Good. Uh, and, and so we always start off with a soda that was brought to you by Sonic. And I, I bought these. Sonic is not our sponsor. I'm going <laughs> to drop as many passive hints as possible that Sonic is welcome to sponsor us so that we can have free drinks when this takes place. However, they are not doing it right now, so we paid for these. Sonic, you're welcome to be a sponsor of the podcast if you'd like. We do enjoy your drinks and your burgers on occasion, too. Hey, everybody. So uh, once again, your producer has failed at the audio quality of the podcast. And so you probably started to hear a few little speckled kickbacks. Um, and when we pick back up with the podcast, you'll hear some of those all over again. But we started off with uh, Sid's story. He's drinking an ocean water and talked a little bit about how that's the sailor within him. So he grew up uh, in a number of different areas because he was a military brat and traveled in a variety of areas. Once his family got settled in San Antonio, he was actually part of a youth group that was basically self-sustaining. He and the other students in the youth group kind of planned their own events and activities, did their own worship stuff. Really, really neat stories of how they uh, approached God and approached church ministry and approached life. Kind of empowered him moving forward in life to uh, serve and, and take up faith for himself. Went to Texas A&M and then eventually ended up going into the Navy. Spent a lot of time uh, working on submarines, doing a number of different areas of of work there, but he said that was a lot of where he really found God uh, in the sea and along the coastlines and on the horizons during sunrises, sunsets, really, really neat stories that he shares there, but then begins talking a lot about his lack of knowledge of the Holy Spirit and understanding and how our Church of Christ history doesn't, uh, hasn't gone into a whole lot of that up until just the last 10 or 20 years. And that's where our conversation will pick back up and where he'll kind of talk about that. But during his time in the Navy, it's also where he met his wife, Marsha, and where they would end up eventually moving back to and settling down in uh, in Corpus for a little bit, but then eventually to San Antonio. And so Sid's going to dive more into that. He is going to get to his Santa stories that I know we're all really excited to hear. So we're going to pick back up with that. Again, I am so sorry for the audio Mix up. I am doing everything I can to figure out what exactly I'm doing wrong. Hopefully that'll get fixed soon and we can pick back up with the podcast. So uh, here is Sid talking about his faith and his stories and his life. Hope you enjoy. I think you and I have probably had conversations about this, but for for a long time, the Church of Christ tradition kind of avoided talk of the Holy Spirit oh, just because sure. there was this involvement of this mysticism mm -hmm. that we were like, we've 
we're afraid to go near this right. because if we go that, then are we going down this completely different path of, you know, some crazy things that we've never talked about and aren't sure about and we don't know how to hit. So let's just play it safe and just, you know, the Holy Spirit's there. Let's just not talk about it. Well, and, and surprisingly, grace was another one because mm, uh, yeah. grace was a Baptist term, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, um, I, I remember even in Charleston, uh, you know, when, when I was on instructor duty there, um, um, you know, I was still grappling with this idea of, of grace and just exactly, mm-hmm. you know, where it, where it, where it fell into my life and everything. And, yeah. and, uh, I was talking to one of the elders there that we used to go to NASCAR races and everything together, uh, down in Daytona and up in Charlottesville and everything. And, um, um, I asked, you know, we were, we were talking about it as we were coming back from, from Daytona one time, you know, and mm-hmm. he said, Oh, I got a book for you. <laughs> and, uh, so I thought, oh, great, Neil, what's that going to be, you know? And so anyway, he got, you know, brought me this thin little book and it was entitled Grace is Not a Blue-Eyed Blonde. And <laughs> didn't answer any of my questions about okay. grace. <laughs> okay. But because of the title, you're like, I have to read this. Yeah, okay. <laughs> exactly. Okay. It was a quick read. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, it was... Um, and and so really it was it was more through studying on the submarine and everything that I I I I learned uh, you know I, I found my place in um, grace and God's discipline and mm. um, um, Holy Spirit and and yeah. things like that you know lots of time to study there <laughs> yeah yeah well and it kind of I as you're saying this it pops into my head. You know, after I I came to really believe and accept in, in Christ as my Savior, I don't know that I ever tried to earn my salvation, but I do think I did things to try to protect it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Right. So I do believe that I've been saved. I just, I feel like I could mess this up. And so a lot of the life I lived after was, don't mess up what God's already given me. Right. And And there is this, you know... There is a stewarding of spiritual gifts. That's a different conversation as opposed to stewarding your salvation, which is not a thing. Uh, as far as you know, making sure you don't mess something up right. so that you can't go to heaven. That, right. that and that's how my brain thought quite a bit. So, yeah, we've over the last like twenty years, I feel like we've come a long way mm-hmm. on that on that type of thinking. So, yeah. That's... Well, I know too that uh, you know Marsha having a Christian college education and. Mm-hmm. Uh, having some really great teachers and, and everything up there, and and teachers that uh, she she's a uh, likes Greek and Latin and all of that. You know, she's really into it. And yeah, she had some uh, some great professors up there that that uh, helped her to understand a lot of that. And and uh, you know, she we, we kind of studied James together. You know, and okay. and. Uh, the assurance of salvation and everything, mm-hmm. and that sort of helped bring all of the the grace topic, you know, uh, uh, to to together for me, you okay. know, and and uh, you know, I write these things that you may know, and and yeah. uh, everything. So um, anyway, it was uh, you know, she she contributed a great deal to my yeah. uh, my education um, yeah. at that time. So how long were y'all married before? I know you've got two kids. Two, yeah. Two. How long were you married before you started having children? Uh, five. Okay. Five years. Okay. And, uh, uh, were you all settled at that point? 
kind of in it was, one spot? We had, uh, my son was born in 1982. Okay. And uh, uh, that was uh, right at almost, it was just under a year before I got out of the Navy. Okay. And because uh, Marsha was real mad because he didn't get his one-year checkup at the Navy hospital. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. It's great benefits <laughs> for military kids. You didn't get them. Okay. Exactly. So okay. Uh, anyway, that was one of the first things we had to do when we moved to Corpus was uh, mm. find a pediatrician that would give him his okay. one-year checkup. Okay. So, uh, but anyway, uh, uh, and then Dawn was born uh, uh, five years after after Chris. and. Uh, okay. So, uh, and she told me when Chris was born, it's a good thing it's a boy because now you have your boy and I don't have to have any more. <laughs> so, but, uh. She got really lucky on that statement yeah. that y'all had a daughter after that. Yeah. I mean, she almost yeah. got stuck. So, and that, that was always the perfect family for me. Um, mm -hmm. boy and a girl, boy older and yeah. girl younger and, and. So God blessed me with that. Yeah. Uh, or blessed us with that. Yeah. And, you know, the kids were perfect growing up. Y'all never had any problems. They did 100% of everything you said. Chris and was perfect. Chris was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about Gatlin and Millie. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dawn was a handful. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, she didn't want to go to the movies one night with us, you know, when she was, I don't know, probably a, I don't know, eighth grade, maybe a freshman in high school, okay. you know, she didn't want to go to the movies. And so Chris and Marsha and I went to the movies and I was driving a little, uh, uh, Mitsubishi spider convertible at okay. the time. Yeah. And, um, uh, but we drove to the, we went to the, the movie and in, in our suburban and, uh, I left the, the convertible in the car in the, in the parking lot in the garage. Okay. And, uh, when I came home, I started to pull the, suburban in and but the the car was parked in the middle of the garage it was a two-car garage and i said you know i'm joking i said was i drunk when i came home or what you know I mean, why, why is it out in the middle of the uh, of the floor yeah yeah and uh anyway uh, uh so anyway i threw the keys to chris and and asked him to move the car and mm -hmm. And so he comes in and says, Dad, when did you start listening to Kiss? Which was a hard rock yeah, station yeah. there in uh, in Corpus Christi. And, and uh, I says, I don't listen to that station. And uh, he said, well, that's what's on. And the, the hood's still warm and everything. And found out that she and she and her friend had gone for a joyride. Nice. And no driver's license. No. <laughs> And not even close to being on my insurance. And so, anyway, yeah, she was a handful. <laughs> but uh, fortunately, she didn't hurt anything, hurt anyone, and didn't wreck my car. So uh, she just didn't know how to park real close to the wall. Close call, yeah. I think I did that when I was, yeah, I did that when I was 15 one time, too. And, yeah, it did not go well for me either after my family discovered not my smartest move. I've done smarter things in my well, life. Well, it was before. a five-speed manual. You know, what kid jumps into a five-speed manual yeah, and, and takes off? You know, which I, I guess she did okay. Well, my generation and younger, like, we don't know manual transmission in general right. anyway. So if you were to say, like, if you were to, if I were to try to jack your car and it's uh, manual transmission, mm -hmm. like, it, it's, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be able to go because I, I don't know how to drive stick. Right. So, and that's most people my age and pretty much all people younger yeah. is we don't know how to drive stick. The <laughs> transmission is supposed to take care of that itself. And so we don't know how to deal with that life. So. Well, dad never would buy anything but a standard. I mean, even our, mm -hmm. even our, um, um, 
station wagon. <laughs> yeah. When that we got when we came back from Japan, it was a three-speed on the column, you nice. know. And, yeah. And uh, so, if I didn't learn how to drive a standard, I wasn't going to learn how to drive in any of Dad's vehicles. Okay. That, yeah. <laughs> the closest I came to learning how to drive stick was I had a crush on a girl in college. And she drove a stick, and so I asked her if she would teach me how to drive stick, really just because I wanted to hang out with her, not because I actually cared a thing about learning to drive stick. That's the closest I ever got. Yeah. So uh, you moved to Corpus, yes. and that's where you. What do you end up doing while you're while you're there? Uh, I had a business down there for 23 years. Okay. I, I worked with my uncle for a while, and then I bought his business, and then after a few years, he wouldn't have recognized that we branched out into a number of different things, but okay. we, primarily we were repairing uh, commercial restaurant equipment, oh, commercial okay. laundry and dry cleaning equipment. Okay. And we did that for 23 years. Uh, was Marcia in on that with you? Yeah. Uh, she was, uh, not at first. Uh, at first she was uh, an attendance clerk out at uh, the, the middle school. Okay. And, uh, cool. Uh, had a great bunch of people to work with out there, but... Uh, then, uh, you know, when I bought my first office and everything, well, quit, quit working out of my, my living room in my garage. Yeah. Uh, uh, bought a shop and and uh, needed someone to handle all the books and the customer calls and everything. So she came, came on board with that. Mm. So. so you have, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's not Sid. That is my dog who has elected to join us for the podcast. Welcome, Jude. <laughs> So, uh, you, you've mentioned several times that you have a heart for the sea, for the mm -hmm. ocean. I think you moved to Corpus maybe for a reason, that there's a body of water pretty close by. Yeah. So, what, what is it about the ocean or the sea that just that speaks to you so much? Oh, it's, uh, well, <laughs> Dad always said that, that uh, he tried to join the Navy, but his mom wouldn't sign the papers. Okay. And uh, <laughs> so he wound up joining the Army Air Corps and then went to to uh, the Na uh, the Air Force after that. But okay. uh, so I, you know, I just always thought, you know, the Navy would be the life for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I left A&M, uh, I joined the Navy and, and I wanted to fly. Okay. And, uh, you know, I just thought that flying was, still think flying is, is you know, the greatest thing. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, got to boot camp and, and went through all of that. And, and uh, they had me fill out my dream sheet. It had six spaces on it. Well, there were only five aviation billets that I wanted. I was, I was picked up for advanced electronics because of my training at, yeah. at yeah. A&M. And so I had a, a high enough grades to, to do just, you know, I could have been nuclear or anything mm -hmm. else I wanted to be. And, and uh, Anyway, uh, so there were only five aviation billets, and uh, so I filled out the five in the order that I wanted them, and and uh, turned it in. And the detailer says, uh, "You don't understand. There's six blanks here, and you got to fill out all six. And mm -hmm. I said, "But you only have five aviation billets." And uh, he says, "Well, you don't understand how these things work." And it says, "We start up here at the top, and..." We can't get you there. We'll go to your second one, and we'll mm -hmm. just keep on going down. But you know, with five aviation slots there, it's for sure you're going to go aviation. Mm -hmm. And so I took took the bait, and uh, and uh, 
he says, uh, I said, what am I going to put down here for the sixth one? And he says, let's just fill PEA in there. I said, I don't have a clue what it stands for. But uh, sure, that sounds good. Yeah, that's uh, great. <laughs> I like peas. So yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't partial to peas, and so I was glad it was number six. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, a few days later, they came over to the battalion and said, uh, called out a whole bunch of names, and and it was all of us that were in advanced programs, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, they said report to. Uh, Sick bay for a physical. So I'm sitting there in a sea of people and and uh, standing room only. And and uh, this uh, full bird captain doctor comes out and and uh, says, everyone that's here for a submarine physical, the line starts here. Just take it all the way around the wall, you know. And so everyone in the room got up and got in line around the wall. And I'm the only one sitting there in this whole bunch of empty chairs. Mm -hmm. And he looks at me and says, and son, what are you here for? And I said, well, I guess I'm here for an aviation physical. He says, we don't do aviation physicals. Get in line. <laughs> <laughs> so I found out real quick what PEA stood for. It was Polaris Electronics A School. Okay. And Polaris was the, the missile system on the submarines okay. uh, back then. So anyway, uh, actually did all my time on submarines without ever volunteering for submarines, which... Uh, much to the consternation of my chief yeoman when I got off the boat, he says, you didn't, I don't see your where you volunteered for submarines. It's not in your file. And I said, that's because I didn't. He says, yeah, but you've already finished these patrols and everything. you got to have that in your file. And I says, no, I don't. I'm finished with these. <laughs> so anyway, I and, uh, actually met a, uh, one of my, the third class yeoman, uh, um, he actually lives here in San Antonio, and okay. and when I met him, you know, uh, we were talking and introducing ourselves and everything. He says, "Oh yeah, you're the one that got off submarines without ever volunteering for it." I, he <laughs> remembered. Reputation. He remembered the huge uproar that it wow. caused when uh, when I got off because it's supposed to be an all volunteer force. I loved it. It was a great time. But, uh, so. Anyway. And this is why I mentioned my my thing about submarines. Like, put me on literally anything. Like, yeah. put me on a, a a jet plane, like the fastest jet that we have. I'll take it because there's nothing else. I'll just pass out. So you know, what's the worst <laughs> that could happen? Submarines. It's always been my fear of like. I've always felt like if one thing goes wrong in those submarines, then you're just done, and you're just gonna <laughs> die in this watery grave at the bottom of the sea. So describe what was. They say it happens fast. Is that what happened? Okay. Yeah, because the people would know. Like, how would you know? Yeah. Like, you're dead. How do you know? So, uh, so what what were some things that you loved so much about being on submarines? What were some of the well, joys the, that you had? The the best times were uh, when we were on the surface. Mm. Uh, my first patrol was what they call a southern run, which was uh, down to uh, from Charleston down to. Puerto Rico and and uh, down to the Virgin Islands and everything and and uh, uh, so we did a lot of transiting on the surface yeah. and everything. But uh, being out there at two o'clock in the morning, watching a thunderstorm way off in the distance with lightning striking the water and wow. the iridescent blue that it created, uh, you know, deep pockets of of iridescent blue and everything. And, and I it was just uh, you know, and and there's only two or three of you up there uh, in, in the sail. And uh, so your thoughts are your own, you know, and yeah. you can just sit there and, 
and or stand there and mm-hmm. uh you know just take it all in and yeah. it, it uh you know you look look in the back you know look look aft and and see the phosphorus uh wake that you're leaving behind and you can look off the bow and see the the dolphins running in front of you wow. and uh it was just you know it was great yeah uh, i i just thoroughly enjoyed that well all the really beautiful stuff about the ocean and the sea you get to experience pretty much all of it oh yeah or yeah. at least see it to some degree or another yeah. and so you know i like going uh there's times that i'd get really excited to go and like growing up in nashville not exactly near the sea but we would go down to florida to see you know for spring break or whatever but the beaches of Destin really aren't as pretty as people say they are. Um, it's just really easy to get yeah. there. It's really accessible. And Galveston is not pretty, like, at least to me, it's just not an attractive beach, just in general. <laughs> so, um, but like, you know, the, like the further down on the Caribbean you go, that you know, the prettier it, it gets. And it sounds like you got to see all those clear waters oh, yeah. and, and experience all those on, uh, on numerous occasions. So that's, man, that's awesome. So uh, I want to I want to kind of also shift. Jude is now elected to sit with me now. So I I want to kind of shift over to uh, something that you're well known for in church, particularly with children. And part of this is was kind of the shocker when I said, "Hey, what's what Sonic drink do you want?" I just assumed you wanted a Coke, and and I'm glad I asked now. <laughs> Says and I, like I've seen and I've seen you drink cokes before right. and I'm like we should take a picture of this and this is like really happening so could you talk so uh, could you talk about this this new life that you've got going well I I joke with people and tell them that I've had a beard since kindergarten okay uh, I mean I you know my my beard came in in high school and 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 it really got tough with the coaches. Because uh, it was back in a day when you had no mustache, you had no beard, yeah, you know, yeah. all your hair had to be high and tight, yeah. and uh, so, uh, you know, shaving was a real pain, and so first thing I did when I went to, to A&M was let my hair grow and, and grow a beard. Nice, okay. And uh, anyway, uh, you know, it started turning gray when I was 20 or about 22, I guess. Really? Yeah. Wow, and, okay. I mean, not gray gray but yeah, i yeah. mean i started it started turning yeah and uh so after we moved up to, to san antonio back in uh 2004 uh, uh it was really starting to get more salt than pepper okay and, uh, but uh uh you know when the kids started coming up to me at walmart or target or whatever you know and are, you know are you santa claus <laughs> and uh this you is know, just a calling. Yeah. <laughs> it's a divine calling that you have. So, it's incredible. You know, I I thought, well, you know, I can either shave the beard off or I can embrace it. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, uh, I guess when I, uh, uh, well, I, uh, when I was taking my master's courses at, at UTSA, I was letting the beard grow and it was turning whiter and whiter and, and, uh, so actually, the I, I graduated in in uh, uh, December of 2014, and I've been to the my hairdresser and got it got all the black bleached out of it, you know. And, okay. And um, um, because I 
I'd already had people asking me if I would come over and be their Santa Claus okay. Christmas and uh, uh, graduating just before. I actually had a photo shoot before I went to my graduation ceremony downtown. Nice. And I rushed in. I had my, my cap and gown over my shoulder and a pair of mm-hmm. black pants and white shirt to, to change, but I was in my Santa suit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went running up to one of the alumni that was directing and everything, and I said, uh, where's the restroom? I need to change. And he says, why? <laughs> Just <laughs> stay in it. Okay. So uh, anyway, I said, you got to be kidding. He said, oh, no, no, you need to graduate like that. And uh, so, I mean, here's thousands of kids all lined up, you know, for undergrad degrees and doctoral, uh, yeah, doctorates yeah. and all the master's candidates and everything. And I'm standing there with my, had my, my robe on, uh, unbuttoned or unzipped. Yeah. And uh, obviously fur top boots and Santa hat and everything. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I actually graduated in my Santa suit. And uh, it was funny because uh, the president of the university got up there and and uh, said, would all the master's candidates rise? And and uh, so we all stood up and he looked back down at his notes and he just stared there for a second. And he looked back up, kind of did a double take and says, I see we got Santa Claus getting a master's degree today. And uh <laughs> I'm sure he has things to do as soon as this is over. And uh, anyway, but I'd taken hundreds of pictures with everyone that was all lined up in the back, you know. And so it was, it was uh, <laughs> when I, when the uh, provost gave me my, my diploma and everything, he, he says, uh, I'll give you this if you'll give me a new Mercedes. Okay. <laughs> I says, you give me that and I'll see what I can do about your Mercedes. And so anyway, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, and and after that, it was, uh, you know, pretty much uh, uh, after I got my degree, I was going to take six months off and get my knees replaced. And I'm still getting my knees worked on. So, so I never did do anything with a master's degree. Uh, I was wanting to teach. But yeah. uh, uh, now... Uh, I spend my my years doing uh, Santa stuff all year. Yeah, so we were, and and, uh, you serve as one of the shepherds here at at our church, and this was like a year or so ago, but we had a leadership meeting, I think it was in the nursery, and this was, yeah, it was like July of last year, (laughs) and you came in in a Santa t-shirt with suspenders, and you had your Santa hat on, I think. Well, I didn't have a Santa hat on, I had... I was wearing red shorts and a. That's right. That's right. And a, and a Santa T-shirt and yeah. a vest. And, yes. Yeah. Because yeah. I was. Uh, yeah, I'm a member of uh, Lone Star Santa Charities. Okay. Okay. Uh, which is about 500 between 450 and 500 Santas in wow. the state of Texas that uh, uh, we provide. Um, uh, we're not we're not there with the first responders, but if there's a hurricane mm. or tornado or fire. Okay. Uh, we've been to Bastrop after the fires. Wow, we've been okay. to Houston after the floods and okay. the hurricanes. Um, but uh, we, our first, they're called Convoy of Toys. Okay. And uh, our first convoy was to Joplin, Missouri. Uh, I didn't go on that one, but that was the first Lone Star Santa uh, Convoy of Toys after the tornado hit mm, Joplin. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, uh organization's been around for Ten or twelve years now, and, okay. and uh, but that's what we do is is uh, uh, I'll usually take my sleigh and and uh, we take a couple of big trailers and, yeah. and we 
take toys to the children. That's so uh, cool. Because toys are usually the last thing that's going to get replaced. Yeah. You know, uh, after. It's uh, non-essential, so. Right. I mean, yeah, makes and, sense. Uh, so uh, insurance rarely covers yeah. lost toys. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's always more important things that need to yeah, be covered. Yeah, so absolutely. Anyway, it, we go in and visit with the children. And mm. uh, so, it you know, the, there's some uh, some training that goes along with uh, being able to, to, to listen mm-hmm. to the children, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you hear some really emotional stories, yeah. you know. And, um, you know, some of them are still, I mean, if you could – children with PTSD after a, after a hurricane or something, you know, and you listen to them talking about watching their roof get torn off or Mm. whatever. And, and, uh, you know, and some of them are are just still trembling while they're telling you, and this is a couple of years later, you know, uh, so because a lot of places we can't go in until the schools have been rebuilt because we usually use a school or church fellowship hall or something. And so, uh, you know, we we've st- we've we've had Rockport on the schedule for several years now, and okay. still can't get into Rockport. Yeah, so, uh, you know, there's some communities that that just haven't recovered yet. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that's that's what we're all about. And uh, uh, so I was headed to uh, uh, Lone Star Santa Eaton Eaton, and okay. <laughs> Nice. You get a bunch of chubby Santas together. They do like to eat. They do some damage <laughs> at a buffet, right? Now I just love that you sat down in that outfit, and we all just kind of stopped and looked. And you and you look in the most like shady way ever. You just go, "I got a thing later." <laughs> that was it. <laughs> and so uh, it's it's always really fun to to see all the different Santa stuff you do. And I love that it's now a family business right. with with you, and that Chris has now joined in and y'all went in together y'all uh built and and worked on the sleigh together right we drove up to michigan and bought a sleigh that was uh over 100 years old and uh it was one horse sleigh okay and uh brought it brought it home and spent a year tearing it down and rebuilding it and making it sturdy enough to for kids to get in and jump in and everything and and uh so we use it as a photo prop now uh cool so that's, that's a beautiful I, sleigh. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, uh, we, we, we had to do some serious uh, reinforcing on it because. Uh, it had seen better days. Uh, yeah. Before. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a great prop. Yeah. So, and I, and I mentioned this to you two or three weeks ago because um, Chris, your son, is a full-time youth minister mm-hmm. in Kaufman, yes. Texas. And but he is also in the Santa biz as well, and he um, and he was in the process of turning his beard gray, and I did not know it needed to be blonde first. Yeah. And so I legit thought that your son was a blonde <laughs> when I saw him at show. I was like, "This is news to me." Yeah. And so well, I didn't know that was part of the. When he was here several weeks, his his is uh, pretty much a reddish brown like mine used to be. Okay. And. Uh, but he's getting some some heavy duty gray into it now, and yeah, yeah. But he still has to bleach his hair. So and when so when you started doing these Santa gigs, you hadn't had Chris yet, had you? You and Marsha? Oh yeah, yeah. Y'all had already, uh, okay. Yeah, I didn't I didn't actually start doing gigs until, I mean, I was always Santa for the family and you know, yeah, family yeah. reunions and everything. But uh, uh, I didn't actually start doing home visits and things like that until uh, 2014. Okay. Okay, so he kind of saw that transformation happen with you. Yeah. Your kids did. He's he's always wanted to be Santa. When uh, when he was in 
I, probably middle school and high school. Okay. Every Christmas he would uh, he would shred cotton balls. Okay. And glue them on his face, <laughs> and he would. I mean, he he made a fantastic looking little Santa, you know, and had a Santa suit and everything. And I had a uh, red and white Harley Davidson motorcycle. Okay. And so I would take him to his gigs. Uh, he, you know, he did them for the Christian school down there and okay. different parties and everything, you know, and and uh, I'd take him to his gigs on that motorcycle. Okay. And, uh, so uh, we made quite the quite the showing down in Corpus yeah. with with him. But he's he's been Santa probably longer than I, I mean in a red suit longer yeah. than I have. But. So I, I've talked with him a little bit about this, and you know, we oh, you're good. It's another Santa gig, right? It's all good. Unknown. Yeah, okay. Uh, so we, I, I talked with Chris a little bit because I was in youth ministry for a while and Chris was too. And we were both in the Houston area. So we would do some meetings. And so I actually knew Chris a little bit before even moving out here meeting you. Right. And uh, so hearing about that was interesting. But I did ask him about, you know, he's been doing Santa gigs for a while. What was it like? Because uh, they, have, they have a daughter. Mm-hmm. And so what was it like <laughs> growing up with you know what's what's it like for your daughter when she's believing in Santa, but Dad is Santa, and I I would love to ask what's it like when Granddad is Santa. <laughs> also, what is that world like for her? What do you all tell her? Well, my my daughter told my grandson that that I was uh, one of Santa's helpers. Okay, and uh, then that's pretty much what what my my granddaughter hears now too. You know, okay. is that Grandpa and or Papa and and Daddy are. Santa's helpers. Okay. But yesterday when I was delivering the sleigh up to, I met Chris halfway. Okay. Up in Temple to, to give him the sleigh. Yeah. So, so he could work with his photographers. Uh, there was a man that came walked by and he says, oh man, I got to have a picture of you two. Uh, you know, two Santas. <laughs> I says, no, it's father and son, Santa and his son, Chris. And, uh, <laughs> and he's, oh man, that's even better, you know? And, and, uh, so anyway, yeah, we were just standing there visiting for a while, you know, father and son, and uh, I don't know how many people came by wanting pictures of yeah. of us standing out there in the parking lot at, at Bucky's in Temple, you know, uh, uh, passing the sleigh over, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, we, we get that quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And I, I just love seeing the, the process that goes into everything that y'all prep. I mean, it's, it's for real. You don't just show up. You don't just put on pants and a jacket and then no. a stocking cap and just show up and say, Hey, here, like there's a lot of work that yeah. goes into what y'all do. Well, well, we, we, uh, I've had hospice training. I've had, mm-hmm. um, uh, how to, how to deal with, uh, um, you know, um, children with, uh, everything from ADHD to, you know, um, Kids on the spectrum, uh, big kid, children and on the spectrum, need, yeah. and other special needs yeah. children, and so you know, and and so I go to probably well this year, <laughs> this year I didn't. But yeah, I usually, nobody did anything this yeah. year. <laughs> <laughs> I usually go to two or three schools okay. every year during the during the year, and uh, uh, got some great Santa instructors that that can teach you everything from you know how to how to get a child to look at a camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to uh, thinking like a child, mm-hmm. you know, children today, the only camera they recognize is in a cell phone. Mm-hmm. No one knows what an F-body uh, no, so Nikon camera looks like, yeah, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. And so you tell them to look at a camera, you know, look at the camera and smile. 
and they're looking for a phone. Yeah, and, yeah. And there's no phone that. around, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, well, it's funny too because uh, when my first couple of years that I was uh, Santa, I was working at Bass Pro Shop, and you'd be surprised at how many adults would say, "Okay, everyone, look at the camera," and they're looking around, looking for a phone, looking for a phone. <laughs> So, yeah, it's, it's a generational thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So something, you and I have been part of a, uh, a book study that we've been going through right. by Ruth Haley Barton called Pursuing God's Will Together. And the first question that she talks about that should always be at the forefront of spiritual discernment is where is the movement of God in this situation? So when you look at your life as Santa, mm-hmm. where, where do you see God moving in those situations, you talked a lot about it at sea, like just in so many right. you know, nature. Where where do you see that with Santa? Um, you know, getting to uh, my dad never was. Uh, you know, I mean, if he'd have had his way, we would have never celebrated Christmas. You know, mm. because he okay. was just totally anti birth of Jesus time mm. of year. You know, gotcha. And uh, as a historian, I got a pretty good idea that. <laughs> When he was born, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't twenty fifth of December, yeah. uh, you know, but, very unlikely. But I, yeah, <laughs> but I've grown way past that, you know, yeah, and yeah. and and since I've been Santa, it's really become really easy for me to help children remember the reason for the season, mm. uh, and and listening to you know a child is uh, uh, very open, very honest, very revealing, mm-hmm. you know, and and the things that they ask for. Uh, I've got a special gift that I give children that uh, uh, have what I call selfless wishes. Mm. Um, you know, they want their their grandmother to get well, or they they mm. want uh, you know they ask for a new toolbox for their father so that he can go out and work wow. and and mm. uh, uh, you know or or uh, my little brother's a diabetic, uh, you know. Can you help him? And, mm. you know, I carry around this. It's a little bitty uh, red book, okay. naturally a red pen. No, of course. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, when they when they ask me, you know, for things like that, you know, I, I tell them, you know, uh, there's some things that Santa just can't do, mm. you know, but, but Santa can pray. Uh, and so please give me their names and... And and I get out my little red book, and they say, Santa, that's so small. I said, yeah, but it's so full. Wow. You know, and I can show them, you know, all the different pages. That, yeah, yeah. And I have to get, I have several of them that, every year, you mm-hmm. know, and and I tell them, you know, this this is on my nightstand. And, uh, you know, that I'm, I'm going to pray for their grandma or I'm going to pray for their mom or dad mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. And, and I tell them, you know, and, and. You need to pray for them too, because that's the best thing in the world that you can do for them. Mm. And uh, you know they, uh, 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 but uh, the special gift I give them is uh, it's a just a little. It's not a cheap little bell, but it's a a little gold bell. Okay. And uh, I I tied uh, braided lanyards onto mm-hmm. each one of them. And I tell them that those are the bells that we put on the deer when they're born. Oh, okay. And it's all frayed up at the top, you know. And, yeah, and yeah. I say, you know, when they get old enough to start training, we cut these bells off of them and we give them their sleigh bells. Okay. And I've got sleigh bells on my boots that yeah. that they see. And and uh, anyway, I said, you know, last year I was saying, you know, I don't know who 
which deer this came off of, but you can, you know, it can be Rudolph or Dasher or whoever you want it to be. Yeah. You know? yeah. And uh, anyway, uh, but this year I got reindeer cards uh, for the, the nine different uh, reindeer. It's a picture of them, you know, and they're yeah. all a little different. And uh, uh, so those are attached to them now so that they know who, who uh, which deer they're, that their bell came off of. Oh, wow. Um, but anyway, you know, I've, uh, I've given them to adults that, that, you know, come up, you know, and they're all teary eyed, you know, uh, and I mean, I, it's, uh, you'd be surprised, you know, how yeah. the, even adults will open up to Santa. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and I write their, their wishes down in the book too, mm. you know, and, and tell them I'm going to pray for them. But, uh, when I give them the, the, <laughs> the, the bell or whatever, you know, I, I get some real warm warm hugs and yeah, everything I'm sure. so it's uh it's it's great well know? and christmas is always you know the most wonderful time of the year yeah. and and those kinds of things but I, I remember being a teenager and and hearing um hearing that christmas could be hard for people and i remember thinking mm-hmm. how how i mean it's oh yeah everybody's celebrating the lights are out people are giving presents what's what's not to like right and i remember uh, having it was it was after one of my final grandparents passed away that I realized this is my first Christmas where my granddad's not around. Right. And that's when I remember, and I wasn't super duper close. I think it was like seven. And so I don't remember just a whole, whole lot. But I remember looking back and thinking Christmas was different after mm-hmm. that happened. And so I can only imagine for the people who've lost parents, who've lost children, who've lost siblings, that can actually be a really rough time. I remember uh, when I was, I think, 13. I spent Christmas in a hospital in Tupelo, Mississippi, because my dad almost died from some like out of nowhere stuff that just like kind of one in a million thing mm-hmm. took place while we were uh, seeing some fans and relatives in Mississippi. So we just had to go to Tupelo, which I'd never even been to Tupelo before. So we just spent it in a hospital room, and some cousins were nice enough to bring up a few of our. Christmas presents that, you know, Santa just knew and dropped yeah. them off. And, and it was still magical, but at the same time, you know, I had a different feel in a hospital yeah. room in Tupelo, Mississippi. Oh, yeah. And so I, I remember that that changes so much. And so Santa is kind of a safe place where, you know, you're, you're the, you know, it's the Disney world that's all over the world, right? Because it, it's right there and, mm-hmm. it's, and it's such a safe area that where you feel comfortable being who you are and knowing you will be loved and accepted because of that. Well, it, um, you know, that I, like I say, Bass Pro Shop was my first big gig, okay. you know, and, and it's when uh, you'd arrived. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I remember that first year when I mean, this being military town, USA, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's, they had a hero's night, you know, oh, and okay. so policemen and military people and everything could come in their uniforms with their families, you know, and we'd take special pictures and everything. Okay. But, but, um, uh, this lady came up and with her, I think she had, I, she had three children Okay. and a picture of her husband, their father in his uniform. And he had been killed in Afghanistan oh. about three months before that. And, you know, the, I mean, the, the 
the family was still in shock, but yeah. she was trying to keep things normal for the children, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, oh uh, man, lots of tears were shed. <laughs> Did Santa With, share t- oh, shed yes. tears? Yeah. <laughs> so even yeah. Santa's crying Santa, in the picture. <laughs> Santa has to go and compose himself sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, it, and, and I, I remember thinking at the time, you know, do I smile? Yeah. You know, yeah. how do I, what do I look like in this picture? Should you, know? should you look happy yeah. in this and, situation? And, yeah. Uh, you know, I looked at the, the mother and the children, you know, when they were trying to smile. Uh-huh. And so I, I tried to smile so you too. you smile you know? too, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I, you get parents that bring pictures of their children that have passed in the year, in the past year. And, uh, you know, I, I had some real heartbreaking stories sometimes. Yeah. Uh, last year, in uh, in Las Vegas, um, you, I mean, there in Las Vegas, you get a very international crowd. Oh yeah, yeah. And you never know who's walking through the door. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, a lot of people were grumbling because the first year I was there, it was uh, cold, mm-hmm. and no one in Vegas has a coat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see people come in bundled up in their blankets yeah. and whatever yeah. they could get in their car, you know, to <laughs> yeah, yeah. And but the list last year it was raining, which was kind of surprising okay. too, and it was cold at times. So you get all these people coming in, grumbling and griping, you know, and mm-hmm. everything. And but there was one family. I think it was a mother and her sister. Okay. And I don't even remember how many children they had. It was three or four. I just remember that two of the the girls um, were horribly crippled, mm. and. One girl came in on her crutches, and she passed her crutches off. It was either her mother or her aunt, mm-hmm. and and uh, they, um, you know, and then she came around and and kind of leaned up against that on the the chair arm on the on the side. Sorry, a- and, any any background and, noise you're hearing on this podcast is a hundred percent because of my dog, a hundred percent. But he uh, cannot be still right now. The other girl uh, was so crippled that. She was in a wheelchair and and um and she was so cold mm. and um anyway the so they they huddled around you know and and I reached over you know with my gloved hands and was holding the girl's hands that was mm. in the wheelchair uh and I mean it was like holding ice cubes and oh, uh goodness um you know, so we I visited with the other children, visited with the the mom and the and the aunt, and and then I spent a lot of time with the girl that was in the wheelchair, you know, and mm-hmm. talking to her, and um, anyway, and the rest of them had kind of wandered off, you know, but uh, they were talking about what pictures they were going to get or whatever, you know, and but I was visiting with her, and she had such a positive attitude. The whole family was wow. happy. Yeah, you know, I mean, here they were freezing cold, waiting outside, and they were wet. Yeah, and 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 you know, of of all the people that that came through there last year, they probably had more reason to be upset, mm-hmm. uh, in despair or uh, depressed or whatever, you yeah, know. But they yeah. were the happiest people that wow. came through there, you know. And uh, anyway, before. You know, as they were getting ready to go, I I took my gloves off, and they're just little nylon, thin nylon gloves, mm-hmm. you know. And I put them on on the little girl's hands, 
and, and which was a real chore because even her hands were twisted and mm. everything, you know, and, and, uh, but I put those gloves on her, you know, and she was holding them together and she was just smiling as big as she could, you know, and, and, uh, uh, you know, she was thanking me and, and wanted to hug me, which was kind of difficult, you know, yeah. uh, but, uh, we, we made it, <laughs> made, made a good it effort at it. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, as they were walking out the, the door, the mother turned to her sister and said, now that's the real Santa Claus. <sighs> and, uh, you know, those are the moments I live for. Yes. And, uh. So, you know, and those those gloves, little thin nylon, glo nylon gloves, you know, weren't going to give her hands any warmth, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And Santa had to go over to where he keeps his stuff, where his Your extra stash, gloves yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah. Break out a, an, another pair of gloves, you know, and yeah. compose himself. Worth it. Uh, yeah. Absolutely and, uh, worth and it. And the, the elves that were taking the pictures and everything, they were all standing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were all... That's why you do that, though, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, those are the those are the you know those are the best best moments. Yeah, I okay with you telling these stories. I feel like we could start a completely separate podcast, <laughs> solely dedicated to yeah. hearing about what takes place in these. Have we still got a little time. Christmas experience. Yeah, sure. Well, the the first year that I was in Vegas, um, uh, Dad was ninety one at the time. He's ninety three now. Okay. Um, and he's got an older sister that lives out in in Albuquerque. Okay. And uh, so uh, we we went out to I would drop him off in Albuquerque, and I would drive just so I could drop him off in mm -hmm. Albuquerque, and then I'd drive on out to Las Vegas. And um, so he was he was with with his aunt, and uh, he would call me every few days, you know, just to see how things were going and everything. And he called me one morning while I was. Uh, eating breakfast before I went went to the set and uh he had just gotten up and um he said Sid I I can't move my my left foot and he says I'm I'm trying to stand up but my foot stuck to the floor and I said dad you know I said or how about your left arm and and your left leg and everything well it all just kind of tingles and and, and I can't mm. move my you know and I, I said, well, I tell you what, Dad, you need to get off the phone and you need to call 911. Yeah. You know, it sounds like, you know, sounded to me like you'd had a stroke. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, um, uh, ambulance showed up and, and uh, uh, they, you know, and, and so, I mean, here I'm, I'm going to work. And I tell the, the crew, I said, it sounds like my dad's had a stroke. If my phone rings, I'm answering it, mm -hmm. which is supposed to be a big no-no on yeah, the set. Yeah. And uh anyway, um so uh, I don't know, about an hour into it, you know, the I get this phone call from um the ambulance technician that's with dad and says, Yeah, it, uh, it kind of appears like he's probably had a stroke, but it doesn't look like it's very serious. Mm -hmm. We're we're on our way to Presbyterian Hospital and um one of the nurses or someone will, you know, call you with an update and yeah. So anyway, um, he it was verified he did have a a stroke, and mm. here I am in 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 Las Vegas and and tied down, you yeah. know, and yeah, uh, called my agent out in California and says, hey, this is what's happened, you know, and he says if you need to leave, you leave, you yeah. Know? So anyway, he was in the hospital and things were sounding positive, you know, mm -hmm. and 
after, I don't know, three or four or five days in the hospital, you know, they start talking about moving him into rehab. Mm-hmm. And miles away, you know, how can I research <laughs> any kind of rehab or anything like that, you know, and I'm, I'm really, and I'm calling my, one of my little brothers that lives here in San Antonio and, and he's, you know, he says, well, I'm kind of in the same situation you are. I don't know what's in Albuquerque, mm. you know, and we were Googling everything. Yeah, yeah. And that evening, um, uh, I was just fixing the, I'd just gone on break and this man um, was at the, standing at the door and the set manager walked over and said, uh, Santa's just gone on a break and he's, he's talking to his dad right now and they're trying to, you know, she kind of explained everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he says, I know, I need to speak with him. And so anyway, I'm talking to dad and the set manager comes over and she says, he knows something about, you know, he, he says he needs to speak to you about your dad. I says, okay. So I, and you're on the phone with your dad while yeah. this is happening. Okay. So I signed off with dad and when he comes in, he's in a black hoodie and he, he looks like a Santa mm-hmm. uh, with white beard sticking out and white mustache okay. and everything. And, but he's got the hoodie on, which, you know, if another Santa goes to a set, he usually tries to disguise himself. Yeah, so it yeah. doesn't confuse the children. Yeah. But he had this, this uh, black woman with him mm-hmm. that was, you know, I mean, she didn't look, didn't look like you wanted to tangle with her. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, pretty, but she was just, you know, look, mm-hmm. looked like she could take care of herself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And she stood at the door and she kept on looking up and down the street. You know what? And I said, you know, I mean, my first in- in- inclination was she, she looks like she's Secret Service. Yeah. Okay. You know, <laughs> protecting incognito yeah. Santa. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, and he's standing there and, and I said, I'm sorry. I was just talking to my dad. He's had a stroke in, in Albuquerque. And he says, yeah, I know. Um, I said, well, I'm, you know, what that kind of, set me back, you know, and, and I said, I, I'm trying to figure out where I, you know, what rehab I need to put him in. And, uh, he says, you want to, you want to have him taken to Loveless. And as soon as he said that historian brain in me starts going back to Dr. Loveless was, um, he, he was an expert in physiology and, mm. and everything. He was the one that, that, um, uh, did all of the early tests on on the the Mercury astronauts. Oh, okay. And okay. he had a Loveless clinic in in Albuquerque, and uh, he was the one that did all of the same testing on on the women that wanted to be astronauts okay. back in the early '60s, and that you know even though the ones that passed, they didn't get to go into mm, the program. Okay. Okay. But anyway, um, I had read all about him, and yeah. and and uh, so when he told me that he still had a you know the Loveless clinic there and it, they specialize in stroke victims and everything i said all makes sense you know and said you want to send him there they'll take care of him mm-hmm. he'll be ready in a few days okay and you know and i'm just i'm just totally relieved yeah i hadn't felt that way in four or five days you yeah. know and um so i was trying to chat with him you know i like i say i this guy knew more than yeah. So who is this guy? Yeah. Yeah. And I was trying to find out something about him, and and uh, he says, "Well, I need to go. Your break's almost over." And uh, anyway, Casey, I'm convinced he was an angel. I mean, you don't know where he came from. I don't know or... where he came from. 
uh, he, I, I didn't find out where he lived or, or anything else. I mean, he was just, he was just there. You just said that and, and left, and you never heard a name or anything no, else? No name. And, you know, I'm, I'm convinced it was a pair of angels. Wow. And, uh, you know, but I, I got on the phone with, with dad's nurse and says, okay, uh, you know, tell me about the Loveless Clinic. And she says, that's where he needs to go. I, you know, I said, well, why didn't you tell me that? You know, but I, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, and he was there and uh, he was there for a couple of weeks. And uh, I asked him, you know, when, when I sent him over there, I said, now I'm going to be there on Christmas Day. And uh, I said, I need to know, you know, if, if he's, you know, recovered enough that I said, do I need to put him on a plane or can he drive back with me or whatever, you know, and when, when I, when I picked him up, it was, uh, you know, he was, he rode in the car with me 12 hours from Albuquerque back to San Antonio and, and he's been fine ever since, you know, but yeah, I saw him just a few months ago yeah, at your house. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, like I say, I, I'm just totally convinced wow. that God sent a couple of angels to me because, yeah. uh, it was, it was just a, you know, I think at the time it wasn't creepy. Mm -hmm. Now I get goosebumps <laughs> when yeah. I start thinking back on on everything that they told me, things that they knew, things yeah. that you know. And the and the woman never said a word. She wow. just looked back and forth up the street all the time. And wow. and uh, and then I mean they were there and then they were gone. And uh, I mean and it was just it was fascinating. Uh, wow. But. Um, that's incredible. But I had total peace of mind after that. Well, I mean, you, know? you tell that story and it makes all the sense in the world why not only you started doing Santa, but you continue to do this. And yeah. Like you're you're seeing God literally yeah. through a story like that, but also on a regular basis with these kids and right. these families. That's just incredible. So, man, you have served in our armed forces. You serve as a Santa. You serve as a shepherd. So you're a servant. And that's all. That's why we love having you here. Yeah. That's why we love having you apart. We're going to kind of wrap up. Sid, thank you so much for sure. coming and, and sharing an ocean water. Um, I shared a Coke uh, thinking that that's what you would get. So I drank one in your honor as well. But uh, thank you guys for listening. And we're signing off. Y'all have a good week. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening in and hearing about Sid's story. I know that some of those stories that he told about his Santa... Uh, both of us had some tears in our eyes. There was just some really, really powerful stuff that God is doing through his ministry there, and that was really, really powerful. So big thanks to Sid for coming in and sharing his story. We're going to have another one coming up next week, and it's a bit of a surprise. So stay tuned. Feel free to share and subscribe, and thank you for joining us for this week, and we'll see you next time.